Hello, listeners. This is Matthew with another episode of Conference Talk Shorts. I want you to imagine for a moment that you are sick to the point where you would like to get a priesthood blessing. Perhaps for some of you, that's not imaginary at all, but that is unfortunately your reality. Who do you go to for that blessing? What's the first name that comes to your mind? Is it your husband, son, father, another family member? Is it your bishop? Is it your ministering brothers? Or maybe it's that general authority that's coming next week for state conference you want to just snag afterwards. Is it inappropriate to prefer certain people's blessings over others? That's an interesting question. And it's a question that President Oaks addressed in the April 2010 General Conference in a message to the priesthood holders entitled Healing the Sick. He says two things that I find very comforting and very interesting. The first thing is that he relates to me. He says, quote, Like most who officiate in healing blessings, I have often struggled with uncertainty on the words I should say. Boy, isn't that great. We're having trouble understanding and wondering if it's a spirit or us and what we should say. Well, guess what? A member of the First Presidency does too, so we're in good company. He continues, For a variety of causes, every elder experiences increases and decreases in his level of sensitivity to the promptings of the Spirit. So you got that? It's not always just, oh, I feel a little out of tune, therefore I must have done something wrong. No, there is a natural ebb and flow to how strongly we feel the Spirit, even when we're doing everything right. He continues, Every elder who gives a blessing is subject to influence by what he desires for the person afflicted. Each of these and other mortal imperfections can influence the words that we speak. So on the one hand, that's very comforting. We're in good company when we're struggling to know what to say. But on the other hand, that doesn't really solve the problem, does it? Especially when you're talking about big dramatic situations where perhaps there's a terminal illness or life and death situation involved. Don't we really need the spirit to be able to actually alter the course of this person's life? Actually, no. President Oaks continues, The wording of these blessings can be very important, but their content is not essential. In a healing blessing, it's the other parts of the blessing, the anointing, the sealing, and the faith, and the will of the Lord. Those are the essential elements. The words spoken in a healing blessing are not essential to its effect. The afflicted person will be healed or blessed, and I will say even the reverse as well, whether the officiator speaks those words or not. The effect of the blessing is dependent upon faith and the Lord's will, not upon the words spoken by the elder who officiated. Close quote. Boy, isn't that an interesting thought to think about? And let's go even beyond blessing the sick and think about other ordinances. If the priest who blesses the sacrament is stumbling over his words, has to say it three times, is nervous, or maybe even, on the other hand, casual and rushes it, Does that change whether that bread and that water are blessed for the sanctification of our souls? Of course not. If you're conferring the priesthood on a new deacon, 90% of the blessing that you give will be by direction of the Spirit, and that will vary from person to person on what kind of counsel that includes. But no matter what that person says for that 95% of the blessing, it's the first 5% that actually confers the priesthood. Whether your blessing is intimate and close, or whether it's a boilerplate quick blessing, you are still a deacon at the end of the day, no matter what. 
From my own personal life, when my wife and I were sealed in the Mesa Temple, we were surprised that the sealer chose not to give us any marriage advice prior to the sealing ordinance. He basically said, Yeah, most sealers usually give you a bunch of advice, but I'm not going to do that because I'm not your parents, and your parents are the ones you should go to through for marital advice. Now, my wife and I honestly at the time felt a little bit cheated from the overall sealing experience, but does that make us any less sealed? Of course not. I think we sometimes tend to struggle with what I call efficiency paralysis. We want what is best. We want what is absolutely right. And we're going to sit and wait until we figure out exactly what that is. For example, I'll share something that's a little bit personal. My wife and I have fortunately been able to earn more than we spend for the entirety of our adult lives. However, that doesn't necessarily mean we were making ideal financial decisions. Instead, with what surplus we had, we squirreled it away into a savings account because we just didn't know very much about what's the ideal thing to do with that money. We didn't know about the different investment strategies. We didn't know which ones were most likely to pay off in the end or how they'd perform over time. And so we just left it in a savings account or earning a tiny fraction of a percent interest every year and really losing a ton of value to inflation. Our decision not to decide cost us when putting it in something that was just anything but a savings account would have helped guard against inflation. That is a temporal example. In spiritual matters, sometimes we do the same thing. I have a brother on my ministering assignment. I want to reach out to him. But boy, I need to know exactly what his situation is, and I need to know exactly what the Lord wants me to do for him, because here's a brother in my stewardship, and what a precious soul that is to Heavenly Father, and I really don't want to mess things up by saying the wrong thing and pushing him farther away from the church or something, so I'm not even going to visit him until I know exactly how Heavenly Father wants me to address it. That is not the way to go. For a lot of the things in the church, it's our effort that matters more than our exact approach. I'll give one more example. There is a ward mission leader on my mission that we missionaries sometimes teased. You see, he was very brash, very bold, to the point of being overbearing. He would corner members in the hall and uh, intimidate them <laughs> into agreeing to bring a non-member friend to church the next week. It, he had a lot of zeal, but not a lot of tact. And we felt that he was doing more harm than good and pushing people away. My opinion of him changed, however, when he started relating experiences from his life and the dozens and dozens of people that have entered the fold of God and joined his church and found salvation in Jesus Christ because of this brother's efforts. Now, this brother, if you want to use a hunting analogy, was going out with his buckshot and just firing willy-nilly in there at anything that even looked like it might move and scared away a ton of animals. It was not the ideal approach, but what do most of us do? We sit and cower, waiting for a deer to come right up in front of us and say, please shoot me. Uh, maybe this analogy is not so great. But his approach, even though it was not ideal, had orders of magnitude more success than most members see in their lifetimes in just a few years. He was not held back by efficiency paralysis. I'm going to be talking more about Elder Bednar's talks on the concept of how do I know if it's me or the Spirit? But the short version is, Elder Bednar says, it doesn't matter. 
if you are keeping the commandments, if you are honoring your covenants, you will find yourself receiving inspiration from the Lord and acting upon it without even knowing that you had received it in the first place. What a wonderful promise. The message from the Lord is get up, act, move forward. He cannot drive a parked car. So the invitation to you and to me is with whatever situation we are facing, remember that the exact details don't matter that much. Get up and act, move forward in faith, choose something without worrying too much about whether it is the quote-unquote ideal, and let the Lord direct you, and trust Him to direct you even if you don't feel particularly directed at the moment. I'll catch you next week.